going. It's the first quarter of the big game. You want to toss up a Hail Mary. They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. If you're good at something, never do it for free. I'd like to be pimped from Oakland or Cowboys from Arizona, but it's not Halloween. Look, my friend, this is just where you and I differ. Grow up, Peter Pan. No chocula. If my answers frighten you, Vincent, then you should cease asking scary questions. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. And they stay there. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. Matt Byrne on the board. S&P Futures up 39. NASDAQ Futures up 158. We're up, actually up today. Wow. Uh, that's 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 special. I like that one where if you don't uh, like my answers, quit asking the scary questions. You know, we make sure that in Washington nobody asks those questions, so we don't have to worry about the scary answers. <laughs> that's right. We have Mr. Kevin. Yeah, I am the man with scary answers. I'm here for you. Uh, scary answers or scary qu- Hey, they're doing the... Uh, why? Why are people going to Davos in May? For the when you and I have not been invited yet again. Uh, but uh, what's the point of going to a have the big ski lodge background when there's no snow, or maybe there is still some snow? Who knows? I mean, kind of. I don't know. I I, um, I I think we have to get over there and find out. What do you think they'll hit us up for? We, we for leave a, right after the show. Okay. Yeah. What do you think they'll hit? Well, no, you can't go. Neither can I. You have I to. Be, I I don't know why you can't go, but uh, I can go. Uh, no, you can't. You have not been vaccinated and boosted, have you? Well, that's true. I've been vaccinated, but not, I didn't know boosted. Now is part of the deal. Evidently, it is. You got to get tested well, when, when you show up and tested when you leave. Why do they care when you leave? Somebody. <laughs> Science, Tom. It's science, damn it. Don't question it. I think it's it's the guy who's running the test who's got a deal. What do you suppose a, a martini costs at the bar at the, uh, in the whatever the Dow? <laughs> I think if we if we uh, tried to buy martinis or wine for all the rich and famous, we'd better, better bring our checkbook. Uh, I think so. Um, I, I don't know what to tell you, Tom. <laughs> it, uh, it, it's it's a, a group of people that I, I wouldn't want to be a part of, but it scares me that they're together and that we could, you know, we have, uh, um, you know, that these people are, are responsible for uh, so much of what goes on in the world. I would love to be there. I'd, I'd sit at the bar and I'd, I'd, get, I'd keep getting drinks, but I'd wing out half the booze in the can and I'd just sit there the whole time and just talk to all these people. Imagine what we would learn. And the characters uh, we would come up with. I'd be, you know, some, some things you're better off not knowing. Um, I mean, honestly, God, you look at, at the people that they invite, and uh, and uh, you know, and, and then read things like uh, you know the the book that um, what, what's the guy's name, the founder, and, uh, and the guy who runs it. Well, I don't even know. Oh, it's just escaping me. I have this book sitting in this room somewhere, but uh, I'd have to shuffle around and pile up stuff and find it. But they wrote a book called The Great Reset. You know, everybody's in The Great Reset. Oh. You're a conspiracy theorist. They actually wrote a book about it. And COVID-19 was caused for the Great Reset of society. Would it be Klaus Schwab? That's Klaus. That's it. Klaus Schwab. Right. Thank you. This guy, Matt's all right. <laughs> I try my uh, best. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know about you, Matt, but I just prefer to tell people I don't entirely suck. Yeah. That's yeah. preferable, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's a... Uh, 
it is amazing when people. I, I remember going to uh, my first year on the board of the CBO. We were still going to. Of course, this this all changed. Uh, <laughs> as people, it's uh, it's it's stunning to me, especially. Uh, well, I don't want to get into it, but uh, as an owner of a small brokerage firm and a small money management firm, the disparity in in, in quote regulation, small versus big. Is just is just astounding, and we we have to do a little crap and don't worry about the big crap. Well, the first year I was on the board, we could go out and have a, a dinner for all the people on the uh, the SEC board, right? Uh, board members and so forth, and you know it was nothing. I mean, you didn't give them packs of cash or anything, but you had a dinner, and uh, and so you got to meet some of these people. Of course, then as time went on, uh, they could show up. They couldn't stay for dinner. They could they could participate in the cocktails and the conversation, but they would have to leave like twenty bucks a person or something. Like really, I mean, we're talking about massive amounts of money are pouring into these these Washington, and 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 we think somebody can be bought for twenty bucks. I mean, but that but that's something you can. I mean, if, if somebody were to give me like a gift of a, well, it's a fifty bucks now, so a decent bottle of booze is over over that. I'd have to like fill stuff out, notify them. Not that anybody ever does. It's, it's a real big deal to where you'd say, I don't want the gift. Because if I went through the process of filling all the crap out, yet somehow there's more money pouring into, into people that make decisions than ever before. Yet we're going to totally harass the guy at the low end of the totem pole. Anyway, so I get to talk to some of these guys, Kevin, and I'm telling you, I was so unimpressed. I, 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 I was startled where, where these people came from. They were all guys who would, you know, you know, Tom Daschle had a line of them, and then there was some Republican guy too. There, people that might have been the head of a financial services committee or something like that. All their staff guys felt they should be on, like the a CFTC, the Commodity Futures Trading Board, or the SEC board. No, they, no, they shouldn't. Have. <laughs> They'd never been in the industry. They'd never made a trade. And 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 the, and the I don't know. I'm saying I was very unimpressed. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Shall we say? So there. So there. So what, a, what, what else is going on in the world here? Well, I saw your stuff about China, and I... Yeah, isn't that special? Um, you know, I don't know how much... I have not read real specifically on it, uh, Kevin, although I'm, I know there's stuff around. But if if Hitler wouldn't have... You know, if everybody, people would come out of the Depression a little quicker, and he would not have poured into Poland and all of a sudden became a worldwide total no-goodnik, I wonder, over a long period of time, if the same thing would have happened in Germany. I mean, I'm sure it would have. I mean, Joe, Joe Kennedy was 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 giddy with the idea that there would be united Europe. You know, you have to have one customer for his scotch. I mean, and Lindbergh, a lot of people were all over that this was the greatest thing ever. Europe going to be reunited, united, and uh, you know, nobody cared that the guy was you know crazy. Uh, I mean, people will do business with anybody. I mean, some people, and I, this whole thing with China, how could how could people not know that everything they a lot most everything they bought from the place is from there? I mean, go to go to uh, <coughs> IKEA and try. I bet they even the the uh, <coughs> Swedish meatballs are from China. I mean, everything. How do how do people not understand that you're doing business? You're doing a dance with somebody who's not not the same kind of place that we are, and they treat people differently. And you and nobody cares that the guys like Milton Friedman would say, "Yes, do business in, in twenty years." Everybody's going to make more money, and by the way, the, the freedom in the economic side will translate into freedom in the political side, which it has not done. Uncle Milty was very wrong about that. 
And how, how do you how do you not realize you're doing? But as long as they give you something five cents cheaper, it's okay. Seems to be, seems to be. And for for the uh, listeners, because um, they're sitting and going, well, what are these guys talking about? ESPN has over some period of time, I'm not ex- exactly sure how long, has been uh, has done a series of articles about NBA relationships with China, with Chinese businesses, and the Chinese Communist Party, and. Um, you know, most recently they've gotten into the uh, owners who have more than ten billion invested there, um, and and some of the things. So you know, nobody in the NBA wants to rock the boat with China because not only does the NBA have huge business interests of its own in China, uh, it, it, and the NBA's business is about five billion dollars worth of business, but all of these owners have their own. Uh, side businesses, you know, side investments and businesses that they operate in China. And if you get on the bad side of the Chinese, Chinese Communist Party, then you will not, you know, that will not be good for business. But they've also, over the years, have done investigations uh, about, you know, what goes on at the NBA academies that are conducted in China to train young players and the abusiveness there. And uh, and they've done uh, stuff on the uh, on the deals, the apparel deals that the athletes sign. And we tend to think of you know the athletes' deals as Nike and Adidas and Under Armour, and and indeed those are. And they have their own problems with validating how much business is done with slave labor in China. But there are actually uh, um, uh, NBA players who have very lucrative deals with uh, uh, with Chinese manufacturers who, who make and sell in China. Uh, and these companies, I, I, I was not familiar with the names. Oh, I wasn't either. This, but it's like Li Ning was one of the companies, uh, Anta, uh, 361 Degrees, um, uh, Peak. You know, these are, these are not brands that you see in the United States, but that they're huge in China. And we have, you know, players and, you know, names that you would know. Uh, Jimmy Butler, um, uh, um, Gordon Hayward. The kid on the Bulls. Uh, um, Crusoe. Uh, Fred Van Fleet, Dwayne Wade, uh, Andrew Wiggins, who on the Bulls? Uh, Alex, Alex Crusoe. Crusoe. Um, you know, we, we have all, all of these players who are totally willing to accept money, and the U.S. government says these companies are, you know, are making their products with slave labor. They're definitive about it. So, um, you know, this is, again, I go back to this, you know, I, I don't want to be lectured by anybody from the NBA, except for Enos Cantor, um, about, I, I, don't want, I, I just don't want to hear about uh, all of their uh, human rights opinions, uh, because they totally turned a blind eye to what's going on in China. So it's it's hypocritical in my in my book. Well, how do they keep no respect for any of them? How does how does uh, N- uh, Nike stay out of this mess? I mean, to me, I don't see how they could be any different. Well, they they'd have a hard time because they source there. So even if they can uh, verify that none of their product, none of their um, uh, you know, I say parts, I, what would you call it? None of the. Uh, you know, they they they, um, they can assemble their products and know that that's not being done with slave labor. Uh, they don't necessarily know that the materials are sourced from some place that doesn't have slave labor, and they should know. They should know, and they should be able to verify it. But even so, you're still doing business with the Chinese Communist Party. You're 
we're still doing business with the people who are making this happen. Well, when you when you do the incredible amount of business, I, mean, I, I guess I, I don't I don't I don't know what to say about this, Kevin. I mean, the, at a national scale, we do business. I I don't know I don't know the fine line. Um, I mean, you get <clears throat> say for instance, go back to economics one hundred and one, and and and. And I'm a farmer, and, and Matt Burns a farmer. And for whatever reason, Matt's got this incredible green thumb with corn, and he gets more corn per acre than I do. But I seem to do much better with cows and farm animals, and, and my cows give more milk than his cows. And even if we don't like each other, I mean, we're not going to run into each other with our cars or plows. We're not that bad. Even if we don't like each other, it makes sense to trade with each other. Uh, to where I can say, look, <laughs> how about if I sell you some milk in return for some corns? And seem you just seem a little bit better at that. But that, that's that's the basis of all economic activity to a certain extent. And and yet, you, so you can't just on one hand say nothing. Uh, I, I will not do business with a country even because, just because I don't like them. Because that's not. I don't know how proper or improper that is. Uh, but I'm saying I don't, I don't know where the line is to where uh, we, we we don't seem to have on a national scale we don't seem to have any problem trading with these people and again you and I are but yet we know that there's serious pockets of slave labor but it gets down to now our companies that are using the slave labor are now out competing the companies here that are not that's that's where the the line is a problem because if, if all of a sudden I found out that Matt had you know. 15 under 17 year old girls over there he was keeping chained up and all he did all day long was was tassel the corn and he beats them all day or something or guys or girls and well yeah then then I have a problem yeah not this man he would never do something. I'm saying then, well then all of a sudden oh, we're, we're pinning this one on <laughs> Matt Weber we're pinning this on Matt but then all of a sudden the, the, the dynamic changes right it's not just a guy I don't like that happens to is running a clean organization, and I'm running a clean organization. He's better one thing, and I'm on another, which is really the basis of all trade. But now all of a sudden, you add a new wrinkle to it. Instead of paying somebody we're supposed to pay him, he's not doing that. He's got he's he's got a line to some place where he's got people he's not paying or whatever. Now all of a sudden, it's a different it's a different story, and, and that's really what we're talking about here, Kevin. It's not just that we don't like the Chinese government; it's their their way of doing business is is very anti competitive. It's like. If, if all of a sudden our working age here was 16 and Canada's was 12, so instead of going to school, everybody's working at a textile factory at 13. We, we don't want to do business with them, right? It's not the same as doing business with the farmer next to you that you just don't like because we're both at least obeying the law and, and, and have a somewhat of a moral a moral bone in our body. I, I guess I, I don't know the the line. Clearly to me, I'm with you, the line to China is pretty, is pretty clear to me. But we also have got how many bazillion companies that we let over there for 50 years and that's all they do. Is, is, well, is, yeah, and, and, you know, our companies are, in many cases, are reliant on the Chinese market to sell products. Um, and so if we said, if we all of a sudden said we just don't do any business with those people at all, we would be killing a whole lot of companies. There's a lot of uh, moving parts to that relationship. However, you have to keep asking yourself, where do I draw the line? Yes. I, think you, you, I think you said that pretty clearly. And I think that, that's really it. So, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, I don't know where I draw the line. I was really, really unhappy that, um, uh, that, that Coca-Cola was an official sponsor uh, 
you know, I but I'll, I'll still have a Pepsi product. I don't, but Pepsi wasn't official, official sponsor. Now, if did they bid against Coke? I don't know. You know, would they have been the official sponsor? I don't know. But a showcase for that regime, uh, you know, uh, and, and Coke being part of it was a bridge too far for me. Well, yeah, but it comes down to how much are they? Are are you offshoring? You know, I, I I don't I don't want slaves. It's horrible. But oh, by the way, if a guy's got a slave and he can send me his blue jeans for ten cents less, I'm happy to buy them from him. He, I mean, you and I I'm have not. A, you have a real problem with that. I mean, I, I mean, you and I both have a real problem. But I, but the, uh, and, it get, and it gets even worse. I mean, I uh, I used to be in the Academic Club of Chicago a long time ago, and uh, I got tired of going to pl- going to dinners in my tuxedo, especially when it didn't fit anymore. Um, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, it still fits. The uh, yeah. Uh, I'm down to one sport coat myself. Uh, me too. The uh, anyway, so I go, I go to this thing, and there was somebody who uh, it was a guy, and he says, "I don't know why people think I know stuff," but he says to me, "You know, I, I have, my couple of places I do business with have have moved their operations over to China, and for me to be able to sell stuff, you know, to them, I'm going to have to get a place over there." And I he says, "Do you know anybody?" And I said, "You know, funny you should mention that. The person I was just talking to just gave me her card. She's from the Chinese embassy." Why, here, why don't I give? I'm not going to call her. Here, well, here's here's her card. Why don't you? And then I talked to the guy later, and like the next meeting, and he says, "Yeah, they they're very helpful. He says they'll 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 kind of assign you a person in China. They'll they'll talk to you about what your your needs are and who your customers are over there. They'll get you a location. They'll essentially assign you a political hack, for lack of a better term. And he's the guy that you, I'll say, pay." To, to to work your way into the system and they find you the place and the building and all the other and uh they also make sure that you know basically you don't have any labor problems which you know duh. so I'll, there's these guys from the government that are the essentially the liaisons you know the the the, the official Eddie Burks of the world right <laughs> if you want to enter Chicago uh and 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 they make a fortune I mean for a long period of time I mean you know there were more millionaires being minted per year in China like any other place with all, most of these guys are, they're all sons of somebody in the party, or daughters, mostly sons, and they, and, and they all have this dough. Well now, those people are coming to the U.S., and, the, and I think, what's the deal? If you've got, I don't know how much money you have to have, but if you come over here and you do an investment that, that provides 10 jobs, because I was working with some guy, and I, well he was asking me, I did a little research, and he, if you came over, this, this this group was going to somehow sponsor an apartment building or something, and that counted for like forty jobs, and it was good enough for, I don't know, Kevin, ten American citizenships or some story, plus family members or, it, it, so all the guys that were given the money to that are essentially stealing it from their own people, we want them to come over here with the cash, and we're going to make them a citizen like a day one. I mean, this is this is like a circle jerk. This is this is crazy. <laughs> The more you know, the more you want to. You almost want to sit there and go. Yeah, out. the more you want to get out, and you know. So when we start referring to, you know, uh, the the swamp and the bad relationships and the corruption of government, you know, some of it's very it's legal, but it's still corrupt as hell. Oh yeah, and uh, and and I, you know, I think that's you know that's a problem too. And I, you know, it, this is this is how uh, this is how a country rots. <laughs> well, I mean, Canada. For a long period of time, and I don't think they do it anymore. If you had two hundred and fifty k, 
you could you could come, you could be enter the country and be a citizen. You buy your way in. We we talk here about the cold border. You know we don't we don't want these people. I mean, I, you know I don't, I don't, how the border is being run under under four administrations in a row. I'm just glad I'm not in charge of the border. Let's put it that way. I, I don't know how the I don't know what the procedures might be, but. We, 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 the last thing we want is some some guy who walked his family for, through a, through another country to get here. We don't want him. But if, but if he's a political hack in China, he's got two hundred fifty grand. Not only come on in, we'll make you a citizen day one. I mean, I don't know, Kim. I'd rather the guy from Guatemala if it was me. To be honest with you, but that's just me. Well, I, I would, but you know what? What's really happening is that uh, people are being smuggled smuggled into. Oh, I, I, I get it. I mean, I'm not gonna, I, uh, by unscrupulous, by you know, people who will take advantage of them at every turn, including sexual assault. Oh God, yeah. And uh, and uh, indent, you know, the child uh, labor and child uh, sex trafficking, and all, all of these things that go on. Um, so, you know, just the simple fact that we sort of wave an open invitation at people—at least that's what the current administration has done—has encouraged more of that. And you know, you can't you can't. You can't Tell me that you're doing that in the name of being, uh, um, you know, a, a sympathetic person, a, you know, a, a better person. What you're doing, and, and if you believe that, uh, you know, that you've got people who think that they can uh, accumulate votes that way, and that's their big uh, reason for uh, for what they're doing, um, then to me, that's just cynical. That's just the worst. Kind oh, of I, I, but does how many people in this country even know we've had these? Secret deals with China, where if you, if you, or probably not just them, probably anybody. Well, it, it's few. You can you can get into how H one Bs work. You can get into all kinds of things that that you know I would consider inappropriate. But um, and and not every H one B is inappropriate. And uh, uh, you know, but but you know when it's it's not supposed to be a way to avoid uh, to to lower your labor costs. So you know. <laughs> At least the theory behind the bill is is that, but the uh, the practice of it is is that's exactly what's happening. Was well, that you mean that those are the temporary workers? Yeah, yeah. yeah you're on a, you're on a, a sponsored visa, and uh, um, and you know, and and there are reasons. Sometimes you have to bring in certain kinds of you know talent that you can't necessarily get. You may have the inventor of a product who is uh, coming into the country to uh, be support for a company. Uh, you know, there's there's all kinds of reasons that you can justify it, but there's but it's so abused. Well, just so people, I'm not an expert on this, but from what I've read, the deal is what's what's the length of time, Kevin? So, in other words, if if pick pick a you know uh, Silicon Valley company A, uh, if the going rate again, you know, this is another story how you get your rates now, like Kevin's talking about, if the going rate for a computer engineer out of the you know, University of Michigan or something. It's gotten, you know, pretty much A's or something. If the going rate there is, let's say it's 100G. Well, if you get one of these temporary people from China or some other place, you can bring a temporary visa and they're going to come in and they can only work for you for what's it, is it a year, Kevin, or two? You might pay them 65. So once they're here, company B in Silicon Valley can say, hey, this Matt Byrne guy, he's pretty good. I'd, I'd be more than willing to pay him a hundred thousand, which is the going rate. I can't hire him. He's he's essentially, uh, I'll say, I won't say slaved in, but he's he's a. It, it is a very long and difficult process to uh, to get him out from to get that person out from 
under the original H-1B and into a new one without leaving the country for a long period of time. Yeah, so in other words, the the, the, the end of the day, whoever got them in is, is paying 35 grand less than market, is really 30 or whatever. That's what's rate. happening. And, and meanwhile, somebody here who went to Michigan and doesn't know anything about this is not going to get that job, right? Yeah, I think the, uh, you know, probably the best way to get a job is to uh, renounce your citizenship, become a citizen of another country, and then get an H-1B job. Well, but you also have, and one of the reasons why you have this this turnaround as well is chances are that person was educated here, and since they pay full bore, they're going to get in the University of Illinois faster than you will because as, a, as Illinois, I mean, the, the the big game, and one of our one of our friends from school, she's a uh, well, she, she's a director of admissions for the University of Michigan School of Engineering, and, and she says, yeah, during the the last however many years. Uh, there's more people from Ohio in Michigan, more people from Michigan in Ohio, and I mean, she didn't say directly that she did this or anything like that, but uh, didn't take much to read between the lines. The people in Ohio pay, you know, forty-five grand per year, and the people from Michigan pay twenty-five. Duh. And, and the people in the graduate schools in Illinois—that's that, why it's so difficult. Why, why do you think all these Illinois people are going to Wisconsin, Iowa, and Indiana? Because they can't get into Illinois. And yet, the people of Wisconsin, Indiana, and Iowa are in Illinois, right? right? I mean, yeah. S&P futures up 40, NASDAQ futures up 165. Nice to see a uptick here. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. 
I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Losing his mind. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Howe. Mr. Kevin O'Neill with us. We also have Mr. Matt Byrne. I was just doing a calculation here as I was thinking about my my cable, Kevin, which is now up to like... Uh, <coughs> 260 bucks or something for some ridiculous reason. I'm thinking I could go to the Tripoli 10 nights and have two beers and a burger and watch the Cub game up there, and I'd, I'd be way ahead of the game. What do you think? Yeah, you would. Plus, you wind up at the Tripoli anyway. <laughs> Maybe one or two nights a week to see my, my buddies. I was there the other night, and it was like five judges, about four, a couple retired and stuff. What an interesting group those guys are to hang around with. Well, it's, it's, uh, there isn't much that has gone on in the city in the last 60 years those guys don't know. And it's an absolute, uh, uh, mountain of information. Uh, anywho, uh, the reason why I was thinking of the, uh, the, uh, the Tripoli is we're talking about the schools. We'll get to traffic weather sports here in a second. There's this young lady and she says to me, hey, is, are the burgers any good in this place? I've never been here. I, yeah, they're good. And so anyway, you start talking and she goes, I said, well, you, are you just out of school? And she goes, yeah, I'm interviewing for a job here in Chicago. And I said, what, what, what field are you in? I was, she said, well, you'd never understand. You'd never know. And I go, try me. And she goes, well, nobody ever knows what I do. I said, you know, I've read a book without pictures once or twice. Give me, give me a shot, will you? She goes, I'm an actuary. And I said, oh, so you're going to be interviewing with some insurance company. She's like, well, how did you know? So a couple of my friends were actuaries. It's not, it's not that big of a secret. But she was telling me in grad school, she was the only person in the class who wasn't from China or someplace like that. There was like 20 people in the class. She was the only one from here. Well, they're, they're numbers people, and uh, I have a friend who's an actuary, and he says they're you know they're they're different from accountants. They're much more outgoing than accountants. So the difference is that when an accountant talks to you, accountants so they're so introverted that they'll look at their own shoes while they're talking. He said actuaries are much more extroverted. They look at your shoes when they're talking to you. <laughs> S&P futures up forty two. S&P futures up one seventy five. Dow futures up two forty seven. Individual stocks in the Dow, Microsoft finally would have bounced up 443. Uh, CVX, Chevron, uh, Texaco is up 204. We've got Honeywell up 284. So pretty much all green in the, uh, in the, in the Dow for, for a change. Dow's been down like seven weeks in a row or something, which is like, if it's down another week, it's, it's a record, I think. Uh, anyway, over in Asia, we've got Nikkei up 336, 1.2%, Shanghai up 49, 1.6. Hang Seng with a big bounce because they were down 3% yesterday. 
Um, they're up 596, 3%. Must, must be interesting to trade that thing. Uh, we've got the, yesterday in the U.S., of S&P was uh, down 22, NASDAQ down 29, down on 234. So we're way past that to the upside here uh, today so far. Uh, bonds uh, up one basis point, 2.87. The bond up five basis points, uh, 0.986, trying to make it back to 1%. Japan right on tw- uh, 24%. They're not going anywhere. Uh, 0.24%, sorry. Oil. Up 24 cents, 112.45. Had a big rally during the day yesterday. Uh, Brent up 36 cents, 112.40. Natural gas down 27 cents to 803. Arbob up 4 cents at 388, but still down some from uh, the highs last week. Uh, gold up 30 cents, 18.41. Had a big rally yesterday. Silver up 4 cents, 21.95. So far, not giving any of that back. Copper up 2 cents, 4.30. We've got Bitcoin up 388 to 30,367. Matt, sorry, but, but delayed here. What do you got for us, traveling no, other sports? No, all right. Well, hey, the time doesn't change. It's 6.38 a.m., Friday, May 20th, 2022. Let's get you into sports real quick. NBA East Finals, Boston Celtics at Miami Heat. Boston wins 127-102. to Tonight in the West Finals, Dallas Mavericks at San Francisco Warriors at 8 p.m. Central Time. In baseball, Diamondbacks versus Cubs. Diamondbacks win 3-1. to Kansas City Royals versus White Sox. White Sox win 7-4. to now for weather in Chicago, mostly cloudy, 65 degrees, high of 87, wow, and a low of 59. In Phoenix, clear skies, 71 degrees, a high of 98, and a low of 71. Now traffic in Chicago, traffic eastbound Eisenhower between Wolf Road and Harlem Avenue. Traffic eastbound in Kennedy between Cumberland and West Irving Park Road. Uh, traffic westbound Van Ryan between 47th Street and downtown. Traffic northbound between uh, Illinois Route 171 and South Kedzie. And keep in mind some light traffic eastbound on uh, Eisenhower between Cicero Avenue and downtown. So we got Chief. Back to you. We have uh, just a real quick on the, on the markets, uh, Kevin. Uh, maybe we hopefully we'll get a relief rally here at least today. Uh, this week has been it's taken taken some real chunks of money out of out of people. I mean you. When you start talking about a company losing a hundred billion dollars with a market cap, and the next one losing fifty, and the next one losing more than that, I mean these are these are real real numbers that are coming out of somebody's sheets or some ETF. I mean if you if you don't if you think you don't own Apple or you don't own Microsoft, but you're in the SPY or in the QQQs, yeah you do, yeah you do, because uh, they're they're those five stocks are are forty eight percent or something of the QQQs, so. When people poured cues people uh, say they're just putting money in the ETFs like the Qs. It's because you, the reason why Apple and these things are going up is because every time somebody puts money in there and they got to go buy more stock, they're buying forty eight percent of those stocks. So don't don't delude yourself into thinking you're you're getting much more diversified because that's that's what I do for people. That part I get, but at least know that you can't say I don't like the stinking Apple. But buy me some QQQs or buy me some spiders. You're buying some Apple. I'm sorry. You know, if you don't want to, I guess we could do something where we, no, I've never done this for anybody. If you want to put 90 bazillion dollars in the Qs and we could short Apple somewhere else to get it out of the, your, your basket, I suppose I could figure out how to do that, but I don't know why I would and, uh, not so sure why, why you'd want me to, but just understand when his, when his values are, are dropping like this, it's coming off somebody's hide. And, you know, I, I've got people now that call me and say, well, I wish I'd have called you two months ago. I had a million two. Now I got 850. I said, well, 850 is like still a lot. Maybe, maybe we should still worry about the 850. Well, when it gets back up, then, uh, I'll think about protecting. And I'm like, really? I mean, it's, it's, every emotion is, is, is run raw, Kevin. And there's people that 
call and say, why weren't we short? Because you didn't want to be short. Nobody wants to be short. Unless, unless, except for the day it goes down. Or, we've had a, we, we haven't had one margin call here, I don't believe. Maybe one. Uh, and, but we've had to, uh, liquidate some, some people's stuff to send them money for margin calls elsewhere. Because it's bizarre, Kevin, when people, if you talk about some kind of a protective strategy, you know, you know, of course, when the market goes up five years in a row, you know, why do you want a protective strategy? But by and large, I mean, why do you want insurance the day you didn't crack up, right? I mean, it's the same, same sort of deal. But people will say, well, I've got five million bucks. How about I, I give you a 200 grand and we'll see how this protection works. And I go, if I, if I take that theory, I'm only going to insure my right front fender because I'm going to be quick enough. If I hit somebody, I'm going to make sure I turn so that's what I hit them with. Is that sort of the same logic? Well, it, it, it is. I, look, I can understand someone who really doesn't uh, doesn't know what you do, saying, "Okay, let's let me let me do some performance tracking." Okay, cool. Um, you know, you can, you can make that work, um, and uh, and then maybe bring across the rest of the portfolio after you see what happens. But the, again, the only way you're going to see what happens, you know, it, it is like what you said. I'm only going to have a little bit of insurance, and um, and and so you know, now the next thing you know. Um, you have a uh, <laughs> you have a problem, and uh, and now you're saying, "Oh, I see how it works. I kind of like this." <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, I, a little late to be liking it. But you you constantly get those questions from people. I don't want to get too deep into what I'm doing. We have too much other stuff to talk about. You constantly get those questions for people, but you're talking about a different way of investing, to where you're always looking for protecting the loss side. And still, if it goes up, participating as best you can on the upside. So nothing's free, right? So, so where somebody said, well, let me, let me see your track record. And suppose I pulled one out and said, well, here, for the last, you know, 10 years, I've made six and a half percent in people, which I, you know, we haven't been doing efforts. And, uh, so, well, the market's done eight. Okay. But that's, that's the cost of that. That's the cost of what it is that we do, especially. I'm not going to get into how interest rates may make put options it, go up. It's and the cost up. of making sure you don't get negative yeah. six. And, and, and so they, well, I don't, I don't want to do that. Okay, but, it, but it's the same as saying, uh, you know, okay, I feel pretty good today. I wasn't out last night. Uh, why do I need car insurance today? I'll, I'll just click it off on the Internet. You know, tomorrow, oh, man, Friday night, if we were out last night, I better, maybe I'm not as quick on the reflex today. Well, click my insurance. Yeah, well, it's, 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 a, it's a need for something that has nothing to do with track record. Right, I mean, track record means doing what you're doing. Are you doing it competently? Okay, but you're never going to match on an up market a, 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 a something that's uninsured. You're never going to match car ownership costs if you don't have insurance until the day that you crack it up. Right, but it, it is stunning how the same people who have a three hundred thousand dollar house or or a ten thousand dollar beater. Would never go out of the garage without collision insurance. Yet they've got a four million dollar portfolio, and and the, and the the idea of protecting it just won't even cross their mind, Kevin. It's a, in terms of real numbers, there's no comparison on the wealth meter, and yet that's just the way people are. Yeah. Hey, you know where that mindset works though. That uh, for some auto insurance you can uh, you can have um, you can buy coverage specifically for rental cars. Yeah. Well. So, so if you're going on vacation this month, that's when you say I need to buy some. I need to upgrade my insurance policy 
to cover rental cars, and then you get home from vacation, and that's when you turn it back down and say, okay, don't need it anymore. Well, isn't the, uh, I know they used to beat it into your head that if you got an American Express card, isn't, isn't their policy really pretty good? I uh, don't know. I haven't had American Express for 20, 30 years, something like that. So I don't know. My, my insurance covers it. It's built into the policy. So well, plus you've been... I'm not concerned. I just, you know, it's just that, that's the one thing that popped into my mind where that actually does work. Well, whenever I, I try and I explain, uh, try and explain option pricing in a real world way, but the example I use is just what you brought up, Kevin. Well, sometimes it's scary that we think alike. I say, okay, I fly into Midway. Scares the hell out of me. Yeah, it scares me too. I fly into Midway, and I see uh, uh, cost of insurance to drive the rental car downtown, and they want ten bucks. Well, they're gonna. I'm plopping my ass in a thirty thousand dollar car, and I'm I'm an idiot if I don't I don't pay the ten bucks, right? Unless I got American Express or something else. But then if they say it's two hundred bucks, I'll say, you know, I've driven from Midway downtown. You know how many times, and I've, I've managed to make it. Hundreds a little steep. I think I'll just try and make this on my own, or if it was two hundred. But then, then suppose I decline the insurance. I walk upstairs, I look out the window, and there's this huge snowstorm. And there's a big thing going across the tape. Streets and sand plow trucks on strike. Well, then I'm going to go down and say, I think I need that insurance, right? <laughs> if you're going to go down and say, now I see why you had it for two hundred bucks. Yeah, but then, but then if it's if it's a thousand bucks. I might call up my friend Kevin, and we'll bring Matt Burnett on this and say, let's raise some money and get in the insurance business. Because at a 1000 bucks, we want to sell the stuff, right? Got it. Yeah, so, I mean, it's uh, the the price determines your de- your decision a little bit. and it's, It kind of ties in with the people buying clothes. I mean, I I, I buy stuff from, uh, I'm not a big clothes horse that we could figure out probably by now. But the place I buy stuff are the places that have the tall sizes, right? So I use L.L. Bean and use Duluth Trading, those kinds of places, lands in. Every one of those, Kevin, at some point during all the years I've bought from them, has had, has tried to, to put out, you know, khakis and blue jeans that are made in America. And they give it a shot for like two years, and they're always about 20 bucks more. Every, uh, they, the, the time frame is probably two catalogs, and then they're gone. Nobody buys Because they're 20 bucks more. I mean, it's I, you know, I get it. Uh, you know, I I, I I do, and so I, I think you know, it, 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 and it's a challenge anyway. You you don't know, you know, they, they, people like you and me, average people, do not. I don't know. Maybe we're not average people. We're weird, but um, but regardless, I, I digress. Um, you know, it, it, I I don't have a way of knowing uh, how things are sourced, but I will tell you this: Apple knows, and yeah. if Apple doesn't know. It's only willful ignorance because there is no, you know, Apple's uh, Apple's got people, executives who travel to all of their plants uh, on on a regular basis just to see what's going on. You don't spend that kind of money, um, it, it, you know, and make that kind of an investment unless uh, unless you know how uh, what operations is like. And if they wanted to uh, follow all of the sourcing that goes into their assembly plants, uh, they could do it. They could do it if they wanted to, and so we, you know, it's it's who you're going to count on to do it. Now, you know, I'll give you an example. Um, I think Motorola, Motorola is a pretty good company when it comes to sourcing. Uh, I think they've always, uh, you know, always had the reputation of being uh, very ethical. If you were
were to go online and pull up their uh, purchasing code of ethics, you'd see that it is way stronger than other um, uh, uh, than most other companies. And uh, and so when I buy a cell phone, I buy a Motorola cell phone. Um, you know, because I because I have no faith in Apple and and very little in Samsung. Although I do have some Samsung products um, that I own, but uh, you know, I, um, but but Apple is is the one where I trust that I trust the least. Well, when the uh, COVID first started, Kevin, I remember way back we were all arguing and fighting. We were trying trying to find information, and uh, I got one of the most interesting uh, emails. We have uh, we have people, and believe it or not, in Australia that listen to the show, and uh, and one of the guys he used to write me. Well, I hope he still listens. I've heard from him in a while. Um, he's his wife is uh, I was going to say steward of showing my age, a flight attendant, and uh, what's what's the Qantas. And, and, uh, well, remember that from uh, was, what was the movie? Where he Drain Man. Yeah, Drain Man. Uh, the uh, I, I love the part when he was counting the cards in blackjack. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, he, yep. the uh, sure. yep. when everybody talked about the, the sources of the of the virus and who was to blame, I, I was stunned that CEOs or not just the CEO themselves, the president, all these people you're talking about, how they weren't. Um, I use the I use the term hung off the the elevator the elevated tracks. They you can't tell me that the people were flying people back and forth from Milan into that area. And people wonder why Milan became a hotbed of the COVID. Well, Milan is 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 a hotbed of fashion. If you didn't know, I mean, I'm no fashion guy, but even I know that. And the 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 connection between. Uh, Milan and the Wuhan province, I guess, is like almost like an umbilical cord, right, Kevin? Where people are constantly flying back and forth. That's where they source their stuff and blah blah blah. You can't tell me that the people in the in the fabric industry in Milan didn't realize that their people were coming off the plane sick and say we're not going over there because in the in the two or three months while we were fighting about was this even really a big disease? I read some incredible numbers, Kevin, like hundred and some thousand people went back and forth to China. Most of them, you know, in these business from these big companies. And this guy sends me this email from Australia, and he goes, the guy who's the head of Qantas should be shot on sight. And I go, well, that's, a little, that's a little harsh. And he goes, every every flight attendant knew that people coming back off the planes from Wuhan province, they're, they're, they were sick. They were, they were piling their calling ambulances for them in the airport. That's how sick they were. And and yet they he never sh- they didn't shut the thing down until they were told to. They didn't have to say, wait a minute, what's going on here? We're not flying that place. We figure out what's going on. They never did this on their own, Kevin. And uh, until you know the government or then people argued about was Trump fast enough and this and the other. Simple fact is these guys they they they, they shouldn't have had a wait to, for Trump or anybody to say maybe we should stop flying there because he said it was so incredibly obvious. But it must be a long flight between Wuhan and Australia, so if you're sick, you're going to show it on the other end, I guess. Uh, but still, it's a long flight from here to there, right? So it's not a surprise that your, that your biggest outbreaks were in Chicago, Seattle, right? Which, which is a, yep. a gateway point. And, and, but these people recognize that, Kevin. I mean, I, I'm hesitating and sent Kevin to Wuhan Progress knowing that the last four people came back there are sick. Well, that's kind of sucks. Don't you think? Well, to, and yeah, to continue to send people, yes, and but, you know, and, and it, it's absolutely true that um, you know we we had people again. It's willful ignorance. They, you know, they either don't know or just don't want to know. 
Yeah, I, I uh, absolutely. You know, and, and and they're playing "See No Evil, Hear No Evil, Speak No Evil." So what 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 do you uh, what's going on in the, in the sports world? Our, our guys are uh, giddy about the Notre Dame class of twenty twenty three. Don't our guys realize how old they're getting? It's a eight years from now, or six years from now. We'll see those guys play. We all going to be here? <laughs> well, no, the class of twenty twenty three. Yeah. Um, that's next fall's, you know, that, that's the, the freshman uh, class. Incoming freshman, but next year's incoming freshman. Yeah, so the, no, the, we'll get, we'll get to see them play. I'm, hey, I'm glad. I, you know, I, I hope, uh, Marcus Freeman is great. I, he seems like a great guy. Um, he, he's, uh, you know, one, one of the things that you have, you know, that people who don't know Notre Dame other than to watch him on, uh, on, on TV need to know is it's a really, it's a strange, sometimes wonderful, sometimes infuriating place. Um, and, uh, and, but, but it is, actually this was this, the stories of the stories about John Flanagan. Um, and, and this goes way back to when we were in college. And I was on one of my typical rants about Notre Dame and how bleeped up they were and, uh, and so on. And, and John said, look, Kevin, whatever else is going on here, this university produces a lot of great people. Yeah, so well, yeah. They do something right. And, and he, you know, he's absolutely right. And, and, you know, I, I still remember all these many years later, I remember that conversation. And the, the, the point being that you have to get the place. Brian Kelly always thought it was something to either, you know, the, the culture of Notre Dame was either something to overcome or something that somebody had to change, damn it, otherwise he wouldn't be able to succeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Marcus Freeman really embraces the place. And, uh, and, and, you know, he's not a guy who went to school there or anything. He's, you know, he's an Ohio State alum and a guy who coached at Ohio State in Cincinnati. Um, he, he's just, but, but he's a guy who's got his mind open and sees, you know, what, um, what an outstanding university can do for young people and he sells that really, really hard. And, and, and I love that. And his players seem to love him. He seems to genuinely, you know, care about them, which is, uh, you know, uh, an important part of any leadership formula, and I want him to succeed. But he's a first-time head coach, so we don't know. We don't know what he's going to do when it comes time to make decisions on the field and, and uh, you know how he runs his program. But I, you know, I love him to death, and uh, you know, for that reason, if uh, I, you know, I'd, I'd like to see him do well. I've, you know, I've always felt the same way about Mike Bray. Truth be told, yeah, um, yeah I do too. You know, he, he's just a guy that you want to succeed. Well, I think that the. Uh uh, and if, if Freeman were to shed, I'm not, not that he, uh, he needs to, because I don't know the man, but, but it took Kelly a while, while to shed the ego that he had to do all, he had to be, to be everything to all people. You, if you don't mind having people around you that are real smart, I mean, Eric Parsegan did very well, but he also had made sure he had Tom Pagna with him all the time, right? And, well, the, uh, um, the old expression is, uh, um, A's hire, uh, A's hire, um, other P, uh, more A's, and B's hire C's. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I, but whatever it was, I mean, he, Arrow was never intimidated by Tom Pagna. They were best friends, but they, I don't, I, it's like, uh, I don't think when, when we're on the show, we have a perfect example. I don't, I don't think, I think there was a tremendous working relationship between Bud Grant and Lou's father up at the uh, Minnesota Vikings. When years and years and years, they both they were on the same page, but they each had their own style, and it, 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 it kind of dovetailed with the other person. It it wasn't like 
you know, I've got four people in the offensive line or the all pros are, they're talking too much about the offensive line. I get rid of this guy. They're not talking about me. I mean, I don't think Bud Grant ever felt that way. I mean, right? Or, well, I, and I'll, I'll tell you from my own experience, you know, my uh, approach to hiring, um, you know, and hiring the managers who worked for me was always, uh, that, uh, I, you know, I needed to know what I did well and I needed to know what my weaknesses are. And I could, you know, if I wanted to be a total control freak, I suppose the easy, the way to do, go about doing that would be to say, okay, I'm going to try and fix every weakness that I have. But to me, I just looked for people who did something that I didn't do as well. Well, I, you know, I wanted, I wanted complimentary people. I wanted great people. Um, you know, the, the management lesson number one is always, you know, hire, hire really good people. Um, but I wanted people who brought something to the table that I didn't have, and then I wanted to listen to them. I wanted to let them do their thing, you know. And, um, you know, it's, it, I think Kelly uh, always wanted to hire people who would do it his way. Yeah, I, I would agree. And, you know, it's funny when, I mean, I've been around a while, and so have you, and now we've reached a stage where there's an awful lot of, of women that are in managerial positions. And I think that the, the learning curve there has been dramatic, and there's a spectacular amount of, you know, very, very, but it wasn't always that way, Kevin. I mean, way back when, like the first person who was in that spot who happened to be female, the complaint was, she's got to learn, she's a manager, she's not my mom. <laughs> you know, and, but I think that didn't take long. And I think now you don't, you don't hear those complaints anymore, and because they probably aren't true anymore. But originally, boy, it was, <laughs> it was, it was tough. But it was, but it was also, I mean, a lot of, a lot of guys are crummy managers their first time through too, so it's not like it's, you know, that, but it, but people have to learn, it's, it's a different deal, you know. You have to, you have to re- resist the urge when you tell people what you would like to have happen to get, get in their underwear and tell them exactly how you want it done. They might actually figure out a better way than you, if you, if you give them a chance. Right. No, you have, I mean, you, you want to be a mentor. Um, you, you, you want to, uh, you want to help people. I mean, really, you know, if, if you're really serving them well, you want to uh, help them be better at what they do and help them be better people, uh, and, and all those kinds of things. And that's really important. But yeah, you, you, you have to, it's the same thing with raising kids. Uh, you, you have to let them make mistakes. And so, you know, the only question is, is, uh, do I, do I let somebody, do I knowingly let somebody make a mistake that's going to be a killer? And the answer to that is, of course not. No, no. I would never do that. Um, but, you know, the, sometimes, and, and a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, especially first time managers have a problem with just saying, okay, what's the worst that could happen? If this gets screwed up, we'll fix it. You know, it's like. Well, I remember my uh, buddy, uh, Stan Barton is there. He's still, still with us. He hires this guy, and we, we, we put together this big report every month. And we got a dash here in a second. And, uh, so the guy said, well, I'm, I think we should do it this way. And Stan looked at me and he goes, we're under a deadline. Do it my frigging way. If you got a better way, tell me next week. And if it's a better way that saves me time as well as you, we're going to go out and have dinner. <laughs> he said, but today I need you to do it my way. <laughs> right. And, and there are times when you have to say that, where you say, okay, what, what can happen if something goes wrong? Well, if we're up against the deadline and we lose a lot of money by not meeting the deadline, then say, okay, t- today I get to be the control freak. But if, on the other hand, the deadline is three weeks out and, uh, and, and, and the guy wants to try a different way and you have time to recover, let him. Yeah, let him. Let him. God, yes. Kevin, have a good weekend, buddy. Well, today, enjoy yourself today. It's supposed to be nice tomorrow, rainy and what, 60 or 50 or something? 
Ugh, doesn't sound good. SP Futures up 44, NASDAQ Futures up 179. Be right back, Mr. Carl Denninger. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. That's a great song. That's a... Uh, it's uh, Emerson Lincoln Palmer, correct? That's right, that's right. <laughs> Welcome back to and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell, Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures up 43, NASDAQ Futures up 176. Do we have Mr. Carl with us? You do. I'm just going to say two things here, Carl. I will warn you about going to Russia, as they are now saying people over 40 they can put in the military. Uh, so well, you. you know, that's... Um, I, I never served... And the reason uh, isn't because I didn't think that there was a skill set match where I probably would have been useful. Uh, humping a rifle was likely not it, although I shoot pretty well. But uh, no, actually, it's because I knew I would have been busted to E1 Private so many times for mouthing off to somebody who was, uh, you know, a superior officer. That I was like, no, this is not the right. Not the right path for this guy. <laughs> well, I was uh, lucky enough to get a a high number in the Vietnam era, but I was the year. Boy, it's so long ago. I, I, I was the year. I believe the deal was you lost your student exemption, but in return for that, if you were drafted, you you would not go to Vietnam. So 
the people that were drafted around me, my buddies, one was a tank mechanic in Alaska, of all places. I didn't think we had any tanks in Alaska. And the other guy drove a truck in Germany for a year and a half. So they were in for two well, years. You know, it's, uh, the, 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 when, it, when I came of age uh, at 18, it was a really big deal having to go down to the post office and buy that card, a selective service card. Oh, yeah. And uh, it, it, was, it was still new enough in everyone's mind with you know the the every night Walter Cronkite stuff during the war, right? I mean, yeah. you know, I, I you know I was a kid when that happened, but I would t- boy, I'll tell you what, I remember it. It was it was seared into your memory because it was on every single day, and you still, I, I even though you know there was no draft, but boy, you had to file that selective surgery. Anyone that thinks that that wasn't something that was that was first and foremost on everyone's mind when they did that. We uh, have that yeah, you're crazy. <laughs> Matt, people your age and, and older, up to probably age 50, have have no concept of how much, how that ripped the society apart, and it is not healed until, t- it is not healed today. Just the people are dying off. Oh, definitely. So I guess that's the reason why it's healing. I mean, you can go to uh, all the monuments in Washington. I mean, I, I you know, I'm not into the... I'm not into the para para something something, Carl. You know that I'm kind of a straight kind of dude. But you go all those other monuments, and you sort of just look at the history. You walk down that Vietnam thing, and you see people bowing in front of their dad's stuff. And if the hair doesn't go up on the back of your neck like there's a presence there, there's something wrong with you. It's it's oh yeah, just no, different. I've, I've, yeah, I've, you know, I've been to the wall there, and it's yeah, the memorial of something else. But I don't so, know what it is about it because it's pretty plain. But boy, it's powerful. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you want you want to have a spooky experience if you ever get out to Hawaii. Uh, go go uh, go get on the boat. Oh, oh yeah. wow. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you want to talk about spooky? If, if you're in any way sensitive to weird stuff, I oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Well, the lady who uh, lived upstairs to me, just she. Uh, this is well, she, she's not that old, but this was a while ago, which one of her first jobs, she worked at Walmart, right? And she's. Very pleasant lady. I mean, if if somebody is is eating lunch by themselves, she's the first person to go sit with them and say, "You're welcome over." You know that that kind of person. Of course, there's this guy at Walmart. He was older and he just kind of he did his job, didn't talk to anybody, kind of a grumpy dude. And if he said hello, he said hello back in a in a way which that's the last time you ever want to say hello to you kind of thing. So she, of course, goes and plants her behind right in front of the guy, and he and she's very good at it. She ends up getting the guy talking. <laughs> Turns out he was over in Nam, and guess what his job was, Carl? You want to, you, right. even you, <clears throat> even you, as bright a dude as I've ever met, when they went into the, to counting the bodies, when they decided whether we won the battle or not, where it's 10, 10 American bodies and 200 on the other side, even though the hill had no strategic importance to anybody, we won, because we had less, they, they counted the body bags? Well, we had fewer bodies, right? Yeah, we had fewer bodies. His job was to go out in the field, in the carnage, and try and, Count, figure out the number of bodies from the number of arms and legs and heads that weren't all together anymore. Oh man! Yeah. So, <laughs> but but I knew all kinds of people that came back that just never quite fit into life. And they never. And I, I have it here somewhere, Carl. I mean, I'll, I'll dig it out someday to prove it. But I think people know enough that I don't lie. There's a piece of paper here. Somebody wrote up an actuarial count, and I don't know how the hell the guy did this, or lady, who or, or team of people. They figured out all the people, this has to be 10 years ago, all the people who, who went to Vietnam in any capacity, 
be it service or be it a contractor or whatever it was. Um, by the time, say this was 2000, say this is 2013, they figured that 325,000 people actuarially are dead after they came back that actuarially should be alive. Now, whether it was stress, yep. Agent Orange, drugs, booze, God knows what, but it, it almost didn't matter whether whether you're in the army or whether you were something else, whether you're a contractor or something. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's stuff like that. Is it, we we have become in in the United States in general. Uh, you know, we haven't had war here, right, other than at Pearl. Like in you know in a stupidly long period of time, right? Yeah. It's in Europe and in other parts of the world. People people do not understand that we have a, a very unique perspective when it comes to such things, which is which is really sort of not a great thing. And and the reason we do is that we haven't done that. And somehow over in Europe, every thirty years or so until after World War Two, and even even after to some extent. Uh, they always found some reason about every thirty or forty years to you know, try to kill to, to everyone try to kill one another. Yep. And it, it, it didn't. I mean, you know, you can look back at at the events and say, well, you know, good God, how how did you get from you know, I, I'm angry with you to All right, I'm going to stuff a bayonet up your butt, right? And yet, it happens repeatedly in that part of the world, and so those those folks have a different point of view. Um, you look at the uh, you know at other at other nations in other parts of the world, and their view of human life and where it stands and how important it is and things like that is very different than ours. And and I think a lot of the reason it's very different than ours is is exactly that. Well, I, I agree. I it's uh, you ever going to those. Uh I, I got dragged to a couple of them. Are you ever going to those APEC uh, conferences? American Israeli Political Action Committee. Oh no, I, I no, I don't think I want anything to do with those. I mean, I yeah. Okay, but I, mean, I went as guy bought a table and he brought me with, and I think you know, and, and uh, you know, beneath your your somewhat crusty exterior, Carl, I think you like to listen to people that you don't agree with either. Because you learn something. I mean, if you, if you oh, yeah. all you do is if you, if you always talk to somebody who thinks the same way you do, you don't learn anything. <laughs> That's why you got to watch right. a baseball game. But I, I was I was surprised. Uh, you go to these things, and of course they're hounding you for money. But the weird part is, if you join and come up with a big number, they don't only want they don't they just want they don't only just want your money. They want you. So the, the, right. So if you go to the one in Washington, and you, say you give them ten thousand bucks, they're going to give you. The names of five representatives that you're supposed to go see and talk to. Now you're, yeah, you're going to get yeah. you're going to get in the door. Now you're free to talk to them about your own business while you're there. So that's why a lot of people want to do it. But if you give them like a hundred grand, you're seeing three or four big time senators, right? So I mean, there's there's a not, not only they want any, but the story is they had a, they had a couple of guys from uh, uh, these happen to be guys. They bring every congressman over to Israel. And, and just what you said, Carl, is exactly what the congressman. I mean, they didn't come back and say, "You know, I'm recommending that you give money to these people." I mean, that's not what they said. What they said was, "I couldn't believe living in Chicago 
where you know, you're a million miles from an ocean, then you got a million miles of ocean to like your next enemy, uh, your first enemy. He goes, these guys are bringing me up on like the top of a building, and they're saying, "There's the guys, it's like there's the rockets, like, right over there." You see that thing with binoculars? That's a mortar shell. <laughs> I mean, you know, right. you know, you know the, the the perspective of the dudes that don't like us are like right there, and you know, and, and they basically got arms, and they're you know a thousand yards away. They said, I, I never even, something like that I've never even, never even conceived of. Now, whether, whether that plays into politics and whether, how much money you should give and all that stuff, you know, I'm, I'm silent on that because I don't know how much we give and how much we should, but I, I think that would be a shocker to me too, Carl. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, when I was younger, of course, you know, I grew up without, you know, with, without money and, and therefore also without international travel and, you know, significant international exposure of any, you know, basically any sort. And then you, you know, then you become an adult and you get out into the world of reality and you, you start meeting people. And, you know, you're not, you're not where you grew up and so you, you know, you're meeting people of all different backgrounds and nationalities and things like this. And, uh, I'll tell you what, if you bring that American centric uh, perspective into all of those conversations, especially when it comes to business and things like that, you're in for you're in for a really rough time. Okay, um, and, and uh, you learn fast that when it comes to negotiation and business dealings and things like that, you you'd better not bring that in there. You, you know, you you learn first before you open your mouth, or you're uh, you're likely to get chewed up and spat out. So. I mean, uh, you know, it's it, it, it certainly, uh, you know, it was an experience. I didn't, but uh, we, we here in America, we've, we've been sheltered from so much of this. You know, this is an article I put up this morning. Yeah, we've got this, you know, we've got this thing going on right now. Of course, gas prices are very high. And, and the Biden's energy secretary, one of, one of the energy secretary people was in front of Congress uh, yesterday. And, and, was was grilled by Manchin pretty severely. Uh, big shock, you know, Mister, uh, you know, Mister Senator, who's uh, who's supposedly uh, the the obstructionist within the Democrats and you know things like this. And and one of the things that's interesting though is that when you hear things like this, you have to realize that it is it is a deliberate attempt by not just people within government. You know, we we set. Our consensus by electing people who then go to Washington or go to our state houses and they make policy. Okay, and if you don't like them, you can get rid of them. Okay, fine. Except, how do you how do you think? Do, do you really think that all this ESG stuff that's going on within corporations? Do you think that that makes a corporation more efficient? Uh, no. Okay, it makes it less efficient, right? Well, I, I would. I would. You know, Carol, uh, we had a long discussion with that. Well, well let's, let's, yeah, let's, I, just, let's just ask the question very simply, okay? It imposes costs. I, I, don't, I, uh, I don't disagree, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to agree with you 95%, except I'm not so sure in this day and age with these big companies with their, their, their head firmly up the ass of government. I don't know when government ends and companies begin anymore at that level. Well, but, but wait a minute. Now, now, hold on. This isn't where I was going. I know. Okay. Okay. All right. So, you have all these firms that have all these initiatives 
And, and oh, by the way, just the other day, um, you had Tesla dropped from some ESG index that was announced, and, and it, it torqued off Musk, you know, big shock, right? Um, and the question becomes this. Under 100-plus-year-old law, it is a criminal felony, 10 years in the slam slam, not, not a fine, prison, to attempt to monopolize or restrain trade. You don't have to succeed, you just have to try. First they passed, you have to do it, that's the Sherman Act. A bunch of businesses filed, you know, they, they people came after them, they said, oh, no, 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 we, we you know, we talked to each other, we, we tried to put together this person, but it didn't work, somebody broke it up. Oh, it doesn't matter anymore, because then they turn around and pass a Clayton Act that says just the mere attempt is 10 years in a can. All right, zero corporate people have been prosecuted for this. Prosecuted. You're not talking about the DOJ saying, well, you know, you might have to pay a fine for antitrust. No, no. Prosecutions, prison, zero people over the last 34 years have been indicted, tried, and potentially sent to prison over this. Now, think about this. How does an ESG type of thing, which imposes costs, Okay, well, you can, you can argue that the, that the costs are worth it, that the benefits are worth it. That's not the question. How does that become enforced without a government mandate? Because here's the thing. They tried to do this in California. You have to have a certain number of women and minorities on yep. the board. It was struck as unconstitutional. That's, it, it, that just happened, uh, being struck down. All right, that's the way we do these things in a democratic society is that Lawmakers pass things, there's a review by the courts, and, you know, maybe it passes muster, maybe it doesn't, but this is how we make decisions in a democratic society. All right. Now you have a handful of companies, investment managers, BlackRock, Vanguard, you know, a bunch of others. You know these guys, you know yeah. their names, and they essentially have passed laws for all intents and purposes, that these corporations must follow these ESG guidelines or they're going to get divested from. You have pressure groups that are doing the same thing with financing. I, had, I was on Twitter the other day. On, I use TweetDeck on, on my computer, so I don't see the ads. But when I'm on my phone, if I'm not at my desk, I do see them. And what did I see all over the place? All of these from Bank of America and from these other, and, and all its financial institutions. How wonderful the World Economic Forum thing is that's going to go on here in the next week or so. Oh, we have to all, you know, we're, we're all kneeling before Klaus Schwab. I, I, take it, I, I take it you didn't get invited again. No, I didn't get invited again. <laughs> I, I don't, well, I don't have a private jet, so I'd have a, you know, there's we can rent one. We can rent one. When you think about this, the, the very act of colluding to do this between organizations, it's a felony. Carl, you know that, and I know that. I don't, I don't know of anything that has, the knowledge that has degraded, if we sat around with a bunch of 25-year-olds and we got Lady Byrne on the board, they have no idea what we're talking about. What do you mean? That's when I was even the the simple place like the board of the SIBO. The guy was the chairman, Duke Chapman, nice guy. Um, you know, and, and Bill Flourish was a terrific guy. He was vice chairman, and Chuck Henry was the best man I've ever met. President, we had, we had really good management, and uh, I mean, it was really fun being on the board. I mean, it wasn't it was still typical board BS, but uh, 
and there was, you know, things I didn't want that they were doing. It wasn't like we agreed on everything. But I mean, Duke would say to me, uh, "We're going to. If you want to go to the board members, there's a there's a conference here that the SEC is running or the Nasdaq is running, and and we uh, we get the and we've been invited." And he says, "We need to go because." We actually get to talk to the heads of the Amex and the Philly and those places. The thought of, of Duke Chapman picking up the phone, calling the head of the Amex and started talking about businesses and prices and things like that, or maybe we should take you over, that was never going to happen. I mean, these guys say, we, but if now the SEC invites us all to a room and they provide the cover, well, then we're supposed to talk to the other guy. But the thought of one of those guys... You know, picking this thing up and say, "Well, if you raise this price, we can raise this one." Think how much better we'll do. <laughs> Would never have happened because these guys, even though you're right, there was no prosecution. There at least was they they were attentive. To, they believed in the law, I guess, Carl. And, and weren't well, you know, it's, it, when when I was running my internet company, we had you know we had about a hundred competitors in the Chicago greater Chicago areas during those early years. Was, there was literally a hundred, a hundred firms from tiny to our size, and you know, and then of course, you know, AOL, which was the nine hundred pound girl in the room. Uh, it, it, you know, all trying to compete. The the idea of me even now, some of these guys that we as competitors, I really didn't like. I thought they were snakes, and you know, I would, I wouldn't even sit in a bar and drink a beer with them if we weren't in business because I just didn't like them as people. But the idea that. I and one of these other guys, CEOs or presidents or, you know, whatever, depending on how big it was, you know, some of these guys were one or two man shops. Hell, I started that way. That we'd sit down over a bunch of drinks and start talking business. No, nobody in their right mind would contemplate doing that. No, oh, God, no, no. Nobody. I mean, I, you know, I would, uh, gee, if, if somebody actually invited me to that, my first impression was that that's a fed and he's intending to arrest me in the bar. Well, well, that's that's why, in a lot of ways, to get around some of that, the guys that were a little more nefarious, and by the way, I, I used to love to play golf, so it has nothing to do with that. That's kind of why you wanted to be in these really prestigious clubs, because you just, you just happened to bump into people like that and walking down the ferry. Right. With, you know. well, well, yeah, that was how you got around that problem, yeah. right? yeah. Yeah, but you know, but the thing is, is that what I look at now, I mean, now it's institutionalized. You know, it's one thing, it is one thing when you have this, you know, this kind of thing happen, because it does. And, but at this point, they, they don't even try to hide it anymore. Now you have, you have actual acronyms and, and, you know, letters and, oh, you know, this company complies with this. And every one of these firms that's doing this, has, you know, even if all it is is another, you know, two head count to sit there and, you know, check the box, it's, it's cost. And the guy who says nuts to that, absent some sort of coercion, some sort of way to enforce it, he's going to tattoo your face. Well, the, the thing with Musk, and I don't know, this is something like, I guess, I guess it's a, well, it, it probably goes back to Harold Janine. You know more about him than you did ITT. They become these, I don't know what you want to call them, celebrity guys that, that seem like they're, they're, they stand out alone next to their company. But I think guys are, I mean, I, I have no idea why Musk is not being absolutely, in, I won't say in jail, 
over this, not not telling people what he wanted to do on Twitter and buying twice as much as he was supposed to. And, and obviously he's letting stuff get out because the volatility popped in there 48 hours before he said, I'm worried about the bots, so somebody knew about it. I mean, the guy, and I'm not saying it's him. It might have been his people were sloppy at Twitter, and the people on Twitter said, these guys seem pissed off about the bots. We better buy some puts on this deal, or something happened, uh, Kyle. But, I mean, it, it clearly, but the, the guy doesn't, he seems like we can't even go after him. And, uh, and, and, and well, I don't say yeah, he's a bad and, guy. And, he just, but, yeah, but you saw what just happened yesterday, right? Well, all of a sudden he says, "I'm going to vote Republican in the next election." What happens 24 oh, they, hours later? Well, they, I, they, what I'm saying is, is he somehow or another, they're, 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 he is separating himself from Tesla. And they're, well, they're, I, they're, yeah, but, and but you know, here's here's the thing. That, so, interesting story that that came out about that whole thing with the bots. He he may or may not have known when he put the bid in that they, these were lies. But as I pointed out in a column the other day, the the response of Twitter's CEO, and he was crazy enough to do it in public, which, which, which as far as I'm concerned, is the stupidest thing I've seen someone as a CEO do in the last 20 years. He came out and said, you know, Musk said, well, you know, I don't believe you're under 5% claim. And, and the CEO comes out and says, you can't look under the kimono. It uses non-public information. That's how we get it. Da, 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 da. Okay. Excuse me. There's a problem here. You have a definitive agree. You have an agreement to buy the company. You're doing due diligence. I get to look under the kimono. It's the same thing as going into someone's house and saying, you know, I want to buy your house, but oh, by the way, I think there might be a foundation problem. You get to call some people that are experts to go look. Yeah, yeah. And, and having sold a corporation, and having had the guys, you know, do their diligence and, and have, you know, you've got your NDAs, you got everything. Uh, sorry, whatever that guy wants, he gets. And if you tell him no, then essentially what you're saying is you're hiding something. Well, absolutely. All right. Well, and then, and Elon then comes back and had somebody run an audit on Biden's numbers and found that some crazy percentage of Biden's followers were, in fact, bots. And then the same guys did the same audit on Musk's followers and found 70% of them were not humans. <laughs> well, guess what? If 70% of the people were following the, the, the pro- arguably the two most followed people in the universe, right, Musk and the President of the United States, um, and found huge percentages of those people are not people, um, well, gee, what do you think the odds are that that 5% is a bald lie? And oh, by the way, Sarbox makes those kinds of lies a crime. Oh, yeah. Why? You do that in a, in a public company filing, you're supposed to go to jail. This is not, this is not about, oh, well, you know, you know what? If, if Twitter, if Twitter isn't 5% inauthentic users, if Twitter is 50% or even 20%, its value, theoretically, from a, for, is, and especially if the so-called engagement is mostly coming from these fake accounts, these automated accounts, because let's face it, computers can type faster than humans, right? Oh, yeah. If if most of the engagement, most of the so-called conversation is actually coming from there, then the advertising value of that firm is a zero. Kyle, well, who is the uh, who is the firm? Well, the thing that I, I you know, in any kind of defense of that CEO, which there probably isn't any, the idea that, that Trump has done this before to his own place and then said no thanks. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know how serious do they take the guy. Well. You got to remember that Musk 
Musk has gotten... So, so the problem with criminality when it's not punished, and you have a set of laws, and, and you know, you and I would get thrown in jail instantly if we oh, yeah. tried any of this stuff, because we're just, you know, we, we can't bribe senators and representatives and Department of Justice people. But these guys effectively can, and they don't have to actually come and hand out an envelope with $100 bills. All they have to do is what Bezos did when he was opening up warehouses in different places, and doing it in separate LLCs, which, by the way, is not really all that novel. I thought of that idea back in the 1990s to ha- avoid registering for and paying sales tax in certain jurisdictions. And and the, the corporate attorneys looked at me and said, do, 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 you know, you got the retainer check for when you go to jail for doing this? Maybe we won't do that. Kyle, but, you, remember, you remember there was a firm, I'm going to break here in a second, but you, you'll remember the name of this firm, I think. I'm going to accuse you of this, but... There, there was a firm back when you still had your place. I'm saying it has to be 15, 20 years ago, because I remember the stock, and they were they were talking about how many, I don't know if it was beeps or twits or whatever it wasn't. It was a whatever it was they were selling advertising based based on how many times people were clicking on something something, and it turned out that they was it was totally a lie. It was like the number was like eighty percent less, and the and the stock yeah. went from like fifty to two in one day, and then they were what was the name of that com- company? I don't, I don't remember, but you know what? It's the, but but who's see? Here's the thing: I have long suspected that that this is this is the the dark underbelly within you know within Google's advertising system, within Facebook's, within within all of them. Okay, it's not in one place; it's everywhere. And and that when you get down to it, the, the value just doesn't exist in this environment. And yet, this is what happens. When you you turn humans into product, you're not selling a thing. You're selling my information. And what what is Facebook? Do? You know, you look at this this average revenue per user. How is it possible for these companies to be getting this unless you are getting worked out of at least ten times that much? Because that's the average pre tax operating margin. How, how do they figure? Well, let's give us thirty seconds here, man. Uh, how do, how do they figure if if I'm looking for uh, <clears throat> baseball mitts or something? And then, then, of course, it, it crosses over and everything else. And every time I kick, click up CNBC for the next week, the first thing I see in the middle of the page is baseball. How do they figure out where the hell I came from when I was already somewhere else first? Which caused well, it's, it, it's there's tracking cookies and little what are they sentinels that are basically one pixel things that are dropped all over the internet. Um, if you have, if you go to a site that has a like button for either Facebook or Twitter on there or whatever have you, uh, then the fact that you looked at the page gets registered at those at, at those companies. It's one of the reasons I took that stuff off my blog is that essentially I was providing them with value which I wasn't being paid for. Yeah, but I, but I'm saying I went I went to the tire company on my own. Right, so yeah. now, so now I, I've got tires all over the place. <laughs> CNBC. Well, no, that's because that's yeah. because the tire company has has a a click button for leave a review on Facebook or on Twitter, or whatever, for our great business. And the very fact that you looked at the page has been registered by those firms. Okay, so one of these days, I actually head over to the place and I buy a set of tires. I mean, who, out of all these people that have thrown this stuff at me, how do they figure out who was the guy that got me to the tire place? That's that's the whole problem is that the tracking is is much less valuable than you think. What they're actually selling, for the most part, these firms is your behavioral information, which is analyzed and used to screw you on your car insurance. 
because you bought high performance tires instead of regular. Well, because but a grunt like me, and we got a date. A grunt like me, I went to the place on my own. All the rest of those ads were were, were a bother to me, and I went to the place and bought the tires because they had a good friend. None of this stuff affected me at all. You're, you're right, but you got hosed in some other way. You just never saw it. <laughs> You got screwed in some other way. You just didn't feel it. God, I love well, it. you felt it. You just didn't know where it came from. Oh, God. All right. S&P Futures up 41. S&P Futures up 166. Be right back. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Owl. Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures up 43. SP Futures up 170. It's, it's glaring today. They have green on the machine with nothing but red all week, it seems. Oh, we had one rally day that we absolutely obliterated the next day. Dow Futures up 264. Individual stocks. We had Goldman Sachs up 3. 
We've got Disney up one. We got Dow up one. Everybody's pretty much up. Uh, Panels up 226. Microsoft up 410 after getting been getting hammered lately. Even Salesforce up 260. So everything's up. Let me see if uh, tar- Target's even up a buck fifty. Wow, down 60, up a buck fifty. Uh, but you know, the, fir- the journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step, right, Matt? You know, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> over in Asia, rallies over here. Nikkei up 336. 1.3%, Shanghai up 49, 1.6. Even Hang Seng, which is like to have gone flying down lately, is up 596, so that's almost 3%. So they had a big jump back. I, don't, I still don't think that puts them up for the, the week, but it's maybe closer. DAX up 264, 1.9%. FTSE up 136, uh, 1.8%. CAC around up 87, 1.4%. So across the board, big moves over in Europe. As a way of yesterday, now we were down again yesterday, uh, 236 in the Dow, so that's 1400 in two days. So the fact that we're, you know, up to something today is nice, but it's not 1400. Uh, S&P futures down uh, 20, down 22. This is yesterday now. Uh, this morning we're up. Nasdaq down 29. So we were down. We pulled the rug out from our right on the close yesterday after being up and down, up and down about 10 times during the day. Uh, bonds, U.S. down one basis point, 2.84. The Bund up two basis points, 0.96, trying to make it back over one. Japan, right where it always is, 0.24, 0.25, it's 0.24 today. Oil, um, actually, you know, I think we, well, well, my machine is gagging here, but, uh, there we go. Oil's up 37 cents, 112.58. Brent up 12 cents, 112.16. Natural gas down 40 cents, 790, back under eight bucks. Uh, Arbob up two cents, 385. I think Arbob tapped out at like four, 420 or something. So it's actually down some. So maybe the demand, the uh, price of gas won't, won't be continuing to go up here, at least in the near term. Uh, gold, which had a nice move up yesterday, is up 350 again today. Boy, two days in a row up. It's unusual for this thing. 1844, silver up four cents, 2195. Copper up two cents, 431. And Bitcoin still hanging around this $30,000 number up 262, 30,000, what do you have for us, traffic weather? Well, a lot of stuff there, man. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff and a lot of traffic this morning. More on that a little bit. Uh, 7.38, Friday, May 20th, 2022. Let's get into sports real quick. NBA East Finals, Boston Celtics and Miami Heat. Boston wins 127-102. to 102. Uh, tonight, West Finals, Dallas Mavericks at San Francisco Warriors, 8 p.m. Central Time. Uh, and the baseball, Diamondbacks versus Cubs. Diamondbacks win 3-1. to one. Uh, Kansas City Royals versus White Sox. White Sox win 7-1. to one. Weather in Chicago, Chicago partly cloudy, uh, 69 degrees, a high of 87, and a low of 59. In Phoenix, clear skies, 72 degrees, a high of 98, and a low of 71. Now into that traffic, it's 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 intense out there. Uh, traffic eastbound Eisenhower between the ramp at US 45 North all the way to downtown. Uh, traffic westbound Eisenhower between Costner Avenue and 9th Avenue. Uh, traffic eastbound the Kennedy between Cumberland Avenue to downtown. Uh, and traffic westbound the Kennedy between uh, North Avondale to uh, West Bryn Mawr Avenue. Uh, keep in mind, accident uh, westbound on the Kennedy uh, on the right shoulder uh, at Diversity Avenue, exit 46B. Uh, traffic westbound on the Dan Ryan uh, starts at East 103rd Street and uh, picks up again at 59th Street and is pretty heavy until downtown. Uh, traffic northbound in Stevenson between Route 171 and South Kedzie Avenue. And for a change, traffic southbound Stevenson between South Damon Avenue and South Central Avenue. Uh, and that's all we got, Chief. Back to well, that's you. enough. That's a lot. <laughs> it's a, um, Carl, what do you make of, uh, we've had a um, pretty intense decrease in some of these stocks in the market. And I I know I, I mean, there, there should be, 
I don't know, we'll, 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 we'll tap into your investment brain here. In normal times, I mean, I, I guess I, I was lucky, although I, I was long for a awful long time before the rally started in 1981, because you know, all the stuff you learn in, in, in school, Carl, it doesn't seem like it wants to work at the extremes, right? Uh, you know, you Well, yeah, it never does. No, and, and at that time, you know, interest rates were 12, 15%, depending on the, uh, talk about a, ne- uh, an up, a negatively sloping, sloping yield curve, that was it. Near terms were 15 and a half, and a, t- and a 30 year was what, 12 or something? So that was, that's a real a negatively sloping curve, but it just seemed like, uh, the companies that were in business, uh, you know, they, they were, they were gonna stay in business because they were making enough money to actually have investors at, plus there were only 125, I think, companies on the floor of the CBOE. So they were, they were America's best and brightest, right? So they were the ones least likely to go under, not, you know, not that one of them never did. But it seemed to me that the obvious move, the only really move left, the question was when, was the market was going to go up and interest rates are going to go down, right? I mean, eventually somebody was going to figure it out. Well, but that's the, but, but see, that's, that's, Chief, you just put the entire, you just underlined it. I don't know if you realized you did it, but you just underlined how all of this happened. It, it, which, it, what I think listeners ought to do is go find somewhere that you can pull up a long-term 30-year, 50-year uh, SPX chart weekly okay and i mean you just if you just want to do it over the last 10 years you can do that too most of the, the desktop um, you know investor tools you could it's very easy to do you get a you know you can get a 10 year uh, on a weekly close basis okay just put that up on your screen and take a look at the at the slope of what you see there and you will see it, what is very clearly a parabolic curve okay now you have people all the time that say, "Oh, use log scale because that you know because that flattens out." Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> the whole reason you use log scale is so that you can visualize the lower end of parabolas and actually be able to see the rate of change, <laughs> and it doesn't look like a flat line that then goes vertical. All right, the whole point of doing this is to see that the actual structure. And why is that structure there? That structure is there because over the last 30 years, there has been a generally declining interest rate environment. And every single time rates go down, you can turn the crank and take out more leverage for the same coupon cost. And you don't actually have to produce things. You don't actually have to make cars or tires or steel beams or whatever. You can use financial engineering. You will show great results. And because you can continually roll this and crank it, it's not just that your P.E. ratio expands, although it does. It's that the E itself expands. Right. So you're getting a, a, a power function change in what is considered a reasonable valuation, and therefore stock price. Well, guess what? That's exactly what you see. All right? And, and oh, by the way, the last burst of it was from 2020, the first part of 2020, after we had the big sell-off, and it, until December of this year, it's essentially straight up. Why? Because rates were pinned at zero, and uh, Trump and uh, and and oh by the way, Biden oh, yeah. are handing out you know two thousand dollars, three thousand dollars checks, trillions and trillions of dollars, flooding it into the system. 
with rates pinned at zero, so there is no cost of borrowing, and therefore, guess what corporations, well, of course corporations take advantage of this, why would you not? Well, um, because that can't go on forever, and when it doesn't, then you see the reversion. And so when you look at what's going on right now, and you say, well, you know, this is, hey, look, for 30 years, you didn't get, you didn't get improvement in output from American corporations. What you got was cheaper and cheaper financing that allowed prices to expand both on an earnings and on a P.E. ratio basis, and that environment is over. And if, if it's not stopped, then you're going to continue to see this 10-11% inflation, and you're going to end up in a situation like they've got going on in Sri Lanka right now. So the choices are not, and, and everybody says, oh, no, the Fed won't do it because, you know, they, they can't have asset prices clubs. Um, excuse me. The Fed has to do it because if they don't, the government collapses and politicians start getting eaten and their houses burnt. And if you think it can't happen here, because that only happens in third world nations, do remember that Argentina, not all that long ago, was one of the richest nations in the world. Well, Argentina. Uh, Venezuela. The, the, the best example is the Weimar Republic. Well, of course, but you know, why my Republic is one? Oh, well, you know that was because we forced them to pay reparations after a war, and that everyone always has a way to dismiss the "it can't happen" here right. thing. But you know what? We've seen it happen in, in countless. By the way, you're missing, you're missing, in fact, you're missing every Iran. single time. You missing Iran. You start doing this. That's how it ends, unless it's stopped. So the options are stop it, or that's going to be the outcome. The, the trick, the trick bag, Carl, is it's. If you look at Iran, you look at Argentina, you look at Venezuela, when they pour money into the system and you end up with big inflation, their stock market rackets up in their currency, but not in ours. So we never, we say, well, it's only because they got, you know, the, the, the bandito currency is the reason why the thing's going up. Well, the same principle applies here. And, and the well, it doesn't, well, except, except it doesn't. And that's, and, and well, it's starting to. Things, so, Back in 2008, when the 0708 stuff started, my expectation was that, that the DX was likely to end up around 40. Okay, now think about that. Yeah. Because right? it was trading around in the 80s at the time. My expectation was it was going to end up around 40. It didn't happen. And, and by the way, the reason was all the craziness with the bailouts and everything else, right? The mark to mark fantasy and all that nonsense. And, and just mathematically, that's where it should have gone. Well, it didn't happen. And so when you you make a prediction and you act on it, well, guess what? Well, you acted on that one and you really went all in on it. You got your head handed to you. You were lucky if you had an account left when you were done. Um, but once it, once it started to void and didn't validate, I, I, I was looking at why. Why, why didn't that occur? Why, you know, what, where was the thesis wrong? Because the credit admission happened. Right, I wasn't wrong. Well, so it's like, okay, where where was the problem? And the reality is, it's the sequester, it's the trade sequestration that I've been talking about for the last several years, is what has prevented that from occurring. Well, guess what? Now that's been voided. And then you say, well, okay, so how come the DX is sitting at 100 right now? You're 102, 102.9 as of this morning. And the answer is that when that inflation itself within a within a country. If there's no sequestration, you're assuming that the floating, you know, the floating monster is in one place only. And when it's a little country like Venezuela or Iran or, or Argentina, or whatever, yeah, that that tends to be true. 
We're not a little country. The EU is not a little country. We are creating our own mess. We've taken a huge amount of our refining capacity offline. We have no delivery capacity into the Northeast. There is now talk about diesel literally going on allocation, not being available in the Northeast, because there's no pipeline flows to go into there. Colonial doesn't go that far north. And so, and, and why is this happening? Because we've decided that we're going to export distillate, diesel fuel, over to Europe so that Europe doesn't have to buy it from Russia. You, you realize how crazy that is when you've got, when every single thing moves by truck, and yet in the Northeast you've got diesel prices well over $5 a gallon right now? Well, Carl, it's, it's, that's why, I mean, uh, it's, we're, we're going to talk about two different subjects here, except one thing about I try and do on the show is that it's all the same subject. When you see yeah. these, when you see these kinds of starts and stops out of government policy, the the, the seeds of the current gas prices at five dollars were sown when oil got down to twenty eight bucks. That's right, and it destroyed the investment capacity right. of, of the people in the industry. Say, I don't want no, no part of this, and it's not something that can be ranked up ramped up in a week. It's an easy two to three year program. The economic term, Carl, which nobody's going to want to hear. Is in the, in the short term, the supply of oil is very inelastic. In the long term, it's very elastic. Correct. That's that's correct. But you see, the other thing that goes on now is that now, it's it it in the longer term, it doesn't have elasticity because the Biden administration has decided that they're not going to issue permits and that they're going to slow walk all the well, existing leases that it. are there. And in fact, that was the, the there was a big grilling that went on Congress the other day where you had the people that were in charge of that were there for a different reason. They got asked some of these questions and they wouldn't answer them. And the bottom line is that it has become a official government policy in the United States that we're not going to allow refineries to operate. We're not going to allow coal plants to operate to make electricity. And we're going to shut down natural gas production because that's, you know, there's, there's a, a crap ton of it everywhere. There's natural gas all over the place. And, and this, this material is available, but if you put enough regulatory burdens in front of people, they say, you know what, we're not going to do this because we're going to, do, we, we have to make an investment of, of $50 million to drill these wells and put this pipe down in order to get the stuff out of the ground. And and we're going to get on step six, and somebody's going to say, "Nope, sorry, too bad. Your fifty million dollars gets flushed down the toilet." Well, Carl, when the the guy who was the guy, the big guy on CNBC, Sully, uh, his you know he's one of their their top guys, I think. But he his his shtick during back when we were doing the twenty eight dollar oil, and we had the negative futures on the trade from IB because their computer yeah. screwed up and all that crap. And then we had you know pictures of of tankers hanging offshore looking for an anchor so they're going to be there a couple of years because they're full. Cushing was full, right? Cushing, Oklahoma, the delivery point was right. full. And uh, he would talk about, you know, I don't know what the first number was. Say we got 1,200 uh, drilling rigs, drilling, say that 10 times in a row. Uh, and all of a sudden next week it would be you know, 1,190 and then 1,180. We're down to like 600. So the strange part for me, Carl, is that I, and I know you and and Kevin and Lou know more about what's going on on the regulatory side of the world. so much worried about the regulatory side of my business. Uh, um, it hasn't snapped back from the 600 to the 650 to the 7 to the 750 to the 1200 anywhere near as fast. I think either, even this crazy administration would have felt it would. It, it's not snapping back. I mean, granted, you can't build a rig in two weeks. And when you take one out of business, 
you're probably shipping it overseas. You're not going to put it in a warehouse sort of thing, rust for the next five years. Somebody wants to buy it, you're going to sell it to them, right? So the, I mean, they're well, going. Exactly, yeah, yeah, and that's exactly what's happened. But, but, but still, you know, here's, but, but uh, cheap. It's not just it's not just oil and gas prices. Okay, you take a look at what's at uh, CNN. No, no less than CNN ran an article yesterday that says that it, the. The power grid could buckle across vast areas of the country this summer, and of course they're blaming hotter temperatures. And yeah, you know, yeah. it. Oh, yeah. no, uh, no. The reason that that's happening is that places like TVA have been under government pressure, forced to shut down generating plants that are perfectly suitable. They work. Oh, they're not quite as clean as you'd like. Well, would you like your air conditioner to come on when you put when you know you dial the thermostat down a little bit? Would you like the lights in your house to work because? Everything that we do in this country and every bit of civilization that we have had is based upon the consumption and use of energy. And I don't care whether you like that or not, it's a fact. And there is no way that these green replacements pencil out on a thermodynamic and on a physics basis. You can force them through government fiat, but what you can't do is violate the laws of physics. There's no way to do it. It can't happen. And so now all of a sudden, oh, and, and oh, by the way, we should all buy electric cars when we've got warnings from, the, from, from NERC saying that there isn't going to be enough power this summer. Well, how are you going to charge a car if there's no power? Well, it's a... Uh we could we could talk about this for for hours because my guys at Pullman were big on the engineering stuff. Two things before we get off the inflation topic. There's almost like two two key dates I think, uh, Carl. And when Milton Friedman would talk about inflation, he wouldn't just talk about the number. He would say that the the first iteration of it feels so good, and he used the term. Right. It's like the first beer in the room. You know, and, and the second beer is good, and the third, and all of a sudden, everybody's getting you know wasted. Uh, he said, "The first, I'm going to say, there's two things that happened with the, the two cycles in in my lifetime. One was when we went off to the gold standard in 1968, so we could more easily pay for the Vietnam War, right? Which means right. pour more money in the system, and it, and it basically caused the market to go up for a while. And then all of a sudden, in the early 70s." Because of the oil embargo, we had inflation, which we started on our own, correct? But, oh, yeah, no, we set it off. Yeah, yeah. We, and all of a sudden, the oil embargo, so we blamed it on those dirty Arabs with the turbines on. And then all during the 70s, it kept building, 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 as we used this money to pay for the war and other stuff. In the late 70s, we got a real problem into the 80s, and, we, and everybody knows what happened after that. Well, if the same date, pick Bush's idea to invade Iraq, and not raise taxes, but to put them put it on a credit card, and the Fed went along. Right, same thing, exact same thing. And here we are, almost the same amount of years later, we got a problem. Well, we've had a problem now. Really, if you count it properly, we've had a problem for probably ten years, maybe more than that. Oh ever. yeah, but you know, but you know, here's the here's the thing that I that I think is so interesting and just fascinating about this is that we we seem to think that the basic rules of economics and mathematics. Somehow we can overcome them, and they don't apply, and they always do. I, one of the things I pointed out when I wrote Leverage, if you sit sit down with Excel, take two series, and plot them as exponential compound functions. Okay, one that starts much smaller than the other, which you would be, we'll just call that. The other one is your output, and yet the debt compounds at a slightly faster rate. And you will see what happens 
is that there is a bow in the curve when you first start doing this. It looks like you're getting something for free. That that expansion at the start, that's the inflation that people think feels good. Right. Oh, yeah. and it does. It does feel good because as you're, it, it, there is a widening of the curve before the line from the bottom comes straight up and, and nails you in the butt. Okay, but it happens every single time. This cannot be changed because it is it is mathematics, and either people get through their head that this kind of stuff is stupid and we need to stop it and take whatever the damage is that we've already done. There is no way around this. And if you keep trying to find some way to shield people from it, which we tried to do after 2000, which we tried to do, you know, because, oh, the world was going to end when Y2K came around. Well, that didn't happen. Then we had, oh, we had all this fraud in the housing system and in the banking system. Ah, no, well, with Tanjorsky during his infamous hearing in Congress in early 2009 told FASB that either you allow this fraud to go on or we're going to legislate and make it the law. And it was that day that the market bottomed. All right. And then, then, oh boy, let's just do it with everything this time. We have a virus going around. We're just going to start handing out checks to people. Well, I think what, in my, from what I see, um, Carl, well, on this end, because it, what you're saying is absolutely true. Then is all the little tributaries of it. I see people that are, and that's why I, I run a protected program. The reason why I do it is because people should be, if you're at a certain age and whatever, and I, I remember today Joe Kiernan was talking about how you have to force, the Fed is is telling people you have to go further out on a risk curve. And well, yeah, you know, but, but see, the thing is this, is that it's Congress that issues every single one of those bonds that the Fed right. buys. What I'm saying is, but the Fed's not their money manager, I am. And right. You, you can't take, if you're, your dad, I, I suspect he's not still alive, but if he was, I don't take your dad out further on the risk curve than he should be. If, if the, if his, if Well, the, maybe you wouldn't, but a lot of people would. Oh, sure. But I mean, you can't just say, <laughs> you, you know, you can't just say, hey, hey, uh, Carl Sr., um, you're only gonna get half a percent in the bank, therefore you should be in Netflix. No. You, we, we, if, if, if I have to put you in Netflix, I gotta figure out a way to protect the Netflix so it can't go down how many hundred hours in one day? I mean, so right. so now we have people that are losing money in the last two weeks that have no business losing, and not that anybody really wants to. But it's one thing for somebody you know uh, in their thirties to buy a thousand shares of Target, you know, because every idiot says it's, it's the world's best stock. But it's it's quite another because if some guy is seventy five and he's he's going to buy anything except put it in the bank, it, that, you you can't let that happen. Because the, the amount of damage, I think, in the last week or two has been... I don't even want to look at the margin numbers, but I, I, I believe it's, it's, it's spectacular. I mean, there's individual companies, $100, trillion, 100 billion, 50, 60, and it's adding up, and it's all on people's sheets, right? I mean, if somebody owns it... Well, the thing that I think is so interesting is how many people are saying, oh, you know, this is... Well, you know, the, the, the index is down 20%. You know what? I can, I can come up with 100 that are down 50. Oh, some 70 and 80. Yeah, I mean it's you know there's well let's just take one of the one of the big names that everybody loves Salesforce CRM trading one fifty five sixty as of last night's close that was at three eleven in November. Well, what was what was Netflix six hundred? Well, yeah, I mean you know Netflix uh, was trading seven hundred uh, topped at uh, seven hundred and ninety nine cents 
and is now trading at 183. And the weird part, Carl, is if you look at it at 183, if you and I just came came from the fourth moon off Venus or someplace, never knew it was at 700, we would never look at that stock and say, boy, this thing deserves to be 700. We might say, if they get their act together, they could be 200 from 185, but the idea that it was ever at 700, you and I would look at each other, I pity the, I pity the fool who bought, who bought it there, which is not nice to say, but I mean... Right. Well, you know what though? I mean, all right. So here's another here's another example. Carnival, yeah, which is uh, you know, I mean, uh, nice. Uh, okay, you know, they run ships. Okay, but but they have crazy. And this is is what I was saying about leverage driving all of this, and the, and the ever cheaper cost of borrowing. They topped at seventy two dollars and seventy cents. Okay, in in twenty eighteen, um, right as we went into that year, they're now trading at thirteen fifty. Yeah. Right, and that is all because there was no actual earning there. It was all financial through the leverage. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. The, I mean, the numbers are real. What they reported were not fake. However, they didn't get there by making more ships and putting more people on the boats and, and everybody right. loves them. And that's a, no, 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 no. We're going we're gonna to take the financing and crank it up. And, you know, when I was running MCS... I had financiers of all sorts, private equity people, banks, oh, we gotta, solid we gotta, American we, national. We've got to continue this next week, bud. Every one of these people was crawling up my butt every third day trying to get me to lever the company up and grow faster. Okay? Well, if it's, if and, I, and I pointed out every single time I told all of them the same thing. We're doing just fine growing organically with what we have and off of our cash flow. If I do this and the market turns on me, I'm a zero. Oh, yeah. Well, we've we got to continue this next week. I might need you... A little bit earlier next week, I think our prof- one of our professors is uh, is out of town again. But hey, uh, the greatest thing in the world, leverage. The worst thing in the world, leverage. It's all timing, buddy. S and P futures uh, up thirty eight. Back tomorrow, back Monday. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to ptisecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at ptiprodirect.com. Nadex, offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit hamzianalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. When you're you're telling these little stories, here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener.